What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you once again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, we ask that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions, those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time that you've given me with my brother and sister, that we have yet another day, that we may partake in your word, Lord, that we might be edified, that we might be taught of you, that we might be able to teach unto others. For, Lord, you said your words are spirit and they are life. So, Lord, we pray that you live in us, that you guide us, that you direct us unto people in whom we can share your gospel with. We also pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that no flesh be heard tonight and no flesh be glorified, but that by your Spirit, Lord, we may receive that food, that daily bread, that sustenance in your Spirit, that we may grow in you. Yes, so, Lord, I pray for those who couldn't be here today. I pray for those who are lacking, that are going through so much, Lord. I just pray that you cover your people in your, in your armor, that you might pour unto us, Lord. But what I want to pray for tonight more than anything is for obedience because what we're going to talk about tonight is something that people really need to understand. That unless we wait on you, Lord, we've got absolutely nothing. So I pray that you instill more patience to your people, more understanding. Let your desires, Lord, be our desires that we might have it not difficult, but yielding all to you that you might lead the way. Lord, for you know all things and you can do all things. So in Jesus' name, I bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, and hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, every antichrist spirit, every suicide spirit, every spirit that is against your people in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you bind it, that you break it up, that you cast it out. And I'm asking, Lord, for a strong presence of the Holy Ghost, Lord, that you speak. For, Lord, I have nothing to bring tonight, Lord, except that which I believe you will provide. So, Lord, we just pray that all these things get done for your glory and honor. For you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And you are faithful, just, and true and worthy of all praises. Lord, we just pray that all these things be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Right, so tonight's study is going to be called Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. And, um, you know, I love, I think what inspired me to talk about this was I remember looking at a slide that spoke about that Joseph waited 13 years to get, excuse me, to get a promise in his life when he was bound in Egypt and things like that were going on with him. And um, Moses waited 40 years in the wilderness, you know, before he even got to, um, you know, got to meet the Lord, the burning bush. You know, they came and gave him instruction. Then you consider Jesus waited 30 years before he started his ministry. 
And it said that if we um, if we wait on the Lord, because I think Abraham waited 25 years just for his son Isaac. So it's like if we wait on the Lord for his instruction and everything that he tells us to, man, we're in good company. And I really do believe that. I believe God hasn't forgotten one thing that we have ever gone to him for in prayer. I believe wholeheartedly when God, when we ask God with a sincere heart, he knows it. But what he wants us to do is be diligent. Abraham continued to serve the Lord until Isaac, you know, his son, was able to um, be born. You know, now he did make some mistakes along the way. You remember with Hagar, Sarah came up with that idea. They ended up having Isaac, I mean, or Ishmael, and that caused a whole bunch of trouble. Because of not waiting on the Lord, you see a whole family, I mean, a whole two nations of people today fighting, believing that they are the heir. That's the true story behind Christianity and Islam, you know, or, or the Hebrews, the, the real Hebrews and the Jews versus um, Islam. The Islamists believe that because Ishmael is a son of Abraham, that he was the promised child, but he's not. Like Isaac was the child of the promise. Ishmael was just an idea of man. Yeah. Palestine? Yeah, like, like the like, area of Palestine. They, they, I, I know that it seems like they've been more into like Palestine and Israel. Mm -hmm. So it's um, Palestine kind of like Ishmael. Palestinians are the Philistines, which also okay. go back to the seed of Ishmael, like going that way. Calf tour and you know all the others but yeah it's just really interesting how not waiting on the Lord has cost a lot of people remember Saul Saul um, didn't wait on the Lord for instruction he went to some witch of Endor to try and receive instruction and what she did was proclaim his death so then he tried to get out of it you know but at that point it was all over because he wasn't supposed to seek a woman like that anyway you don't go to a witch when you're a king of Israel and you've got God so, you know, these are things that we just need to be reminded of. I have a few examples here for tonight, but it's just something that we ought to learn is how to wait on God. Because I know we might start thinking, I'm 40, I'm 50, I'm 60, I'm 30, I'm 25. I haven't yet met what you want. Wait on the Lord. He knows everything that we can possibly ask him for. Okay, but his timing is timeless. And see, that's where we make the mistake as fallen individuals. We start looking at our time. We start looking at what's happening with us, not realizing God is timeless. When he decides to throw something our way or give us something, it's because he's God. So he can easily peel back the time and give you exactly what you need. If he can make a 99-year-old woman, I mean a 90-year-old woman, Sarah, pregnant to have kids, he can do anything for you and I. And it's time that we just start believing that. Just how we talked about last yes, week, believing God. We got to believe him enough to wait on him because his instruction is always right. Amen. So let's get started with Psalm 27. Let's begin at verse 1. Let's hear about the goodness of the Lord. You receive in the word. Waiting on the Lord is so important because I know from my own life in the past, even after I got saved, Patience was one of the hardest things for me to do, have patience and wait on the Lord. Because I think, too, a lot of it is how much we trust the Lord. And part of it is how much do we want to completely let go of our own will and let the Lord take over. And, you know, that, that's truly what it's all about. The more we trust Him, the more we wait on Him. 
Amen. And the more our will is given over to His, and so, like you're saying, He can give us whatever, because at that point He can trust us. But it's like, it's that giving over to. And that's just it. We've got to learn to trust Him, and we've got to know if He's the Lord of everything, then He can give you what He what you need when the time comes. Exactly. All right, so this is Psalm 27. Let's look at verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So this is the Psalm of David. He said, the Lord is my light. So you know that that's Christ and my salvation. That's definitely Jesus. So he says, if the Lord is my light that guides me where I need to go of my salvation, and it says, whom shall I fear? He's thinking that God and his light is only going to lead you in the ways of righteousness. Regardless of what. And this is something as Christians we've got to recognize because in many cases we think, yeah, he's our light for this, but he may not be our light for that. No, we got to follow and obey the Lord. Who should you fear if God is your light? Man, David's got the right perspective. He says, and the Lord is the strength of my life. What did Jesus tell us back in John 15? I am the true vine. Aside from me, you can do nothing. We've got to recognize that if we've got breath in our bodies, if we have a will to serve the Lord, read his word, preach the gospel, Jesus Christ is that tree of life which is our life source, and that's all that we need. So he said, the strength of his life, of whom shall I be afraid? So if Jesus Christ is the strength of our lives, let's just think about this, then that means that no man can take your life from you, just like he proclaimed. He said, no man taketh my life, I lay it down in my own accord. I have the power to lay it down and to take it up again. He said, but this commandment is from my Father. So if we be of Christ, no man can take your life. I don't care where they send you. I don't care if you're in a lion's den. I don't care if you're in, you know, Daniel chapter 3, the Hebrew boys in the fire. Okay, when they decided to get in and wait on the Lord, they, they proclaimed, God will deliver us. But if not... We are not going to serve you. Okay, so they had already settled that in their minds. Either the Lord is going to come through or he's not. But when you examine that story, you would say, man, Lord, you're taking a little bit too long here. <laughs> like, we're about to go in the fire. But they believed, you know, no matter what. But they right. had that mindset. Nebuchadnezzar opened it. They picked him up. And you're thinking... I mean, is this really happening? Like, am I really getting ready to get in? But they had already settled it in themselves. I'm waiting on God. And if he doesn't respond, then so be it. But one thing I'm not going to do is serve another Amen. God. Amen. This is what we've got to do. Yeah, so bro. It's beautiful, too. Like, their faith, they say that even if he doesn't save them, we know that all things is possible. Like, he could. Mm -hmm. So they still believed. He mm -hmm. still... It's true. They believe, they proclaimed it, man. So no man can take your life if, you, if you're of Christ and you wait on him. We got to keep this in mind because we get scared from the world and start running back. But uh-uh, we got to learn to wait. When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, like to devour him, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me like an army, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me, and this I will be confident. So David is saying, I don't care what comes my way. If the Lord is my light, my salvation, and my strength, there is nothing that anyone can do. And you know what? David believed this. That's one of the amazing things about David. He's not proclaiming words that he doesn't believe. David believed wholeheartedly what God's word says. Or I mean, well, he believed God. 
And that's why he took on that Philistine. You know, when you had Goliath standing there all bold and proud, like he was going to do something, man, David said, you know, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Because David was tested of the Lord. David fought a lion and a bear. He said, man, who is this guy? So, you know, he always walked in that kind of confidence. There were areas in David's life that he was afraid. He began to doubt. We all go through that. But one thing we've got to keep in mind is if that's a moment of doubt, then we need to cling to the Lord of our light and our salvation, okay, to restore us because fear is not of the Lord. All right, so he said in verse, uh, verse 4, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. So David made clear the one thing he has that he desires of God is that, that he may seek after. And what anybody needs to know to seek after God is you got to have a heart for the Lord. And that's why when people ask you questions, man, about prayer, about fasting, about soul winning, don't ask unless you really want to do it. If you want to do it, then that's a different situation. But you got to first desire the Lord and seek after him. That's right. The instruction of the Lord is no good to you if you don't want to serve him. Okay? You might as well just do what you want to do. So he says, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Can we ever say that we've ever given ourselves over to understanding what the beauty of the Lord is? And that's why the Bible tells us, taste and see that the Lord is good. I remember one day at work, there was this one teacher that used to, um, they had little ways of breaking it down. It kind of annoyed me, but in some ways it makes sense. They were saying, how many times do we ever just shove food into our mouths? and just digest and swallow it and take another bite. He says, have you ever just took a cherry or something or some fruit, put it in your mouth, and just taste it? You know, maybe suck on it even a little bit, just to get like what's in and out of it, to have an appreciation for what you just had. But in many cases, we just shove food down our throats. But you see, God is similar to this, where we've got to learn to indulge in God. Get a real thought for his word. Don't just read the Bible. Uh-huh. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, all right, got it. No, ponder those words. Then go over it again. Man, Lord, what are you saying? If I had to really think about that. You see what I'm saying? Taste the Lord and see that he is good. And understanding what tasting means. To be intimate with him. You know, to try him. To dwell with him. So you know that you can trust him. Man, these words are so much life, but we've got to learn to yield to that. But that's what he's talking about, you know? Inquire the beauty of the Lord. How beautiful is our God in our lives? Man, how much worthy is he of praise? All you got to do is count your blessings for the ones you can remember, you know? And that ought to tell us, but this is the desire of David. Yes, Sarah? He's just going to make the point real quick is, you know, sometimes when we're reading scripture... And one just like really hits you and all of a sudden your mind just kind of gets taken away with that scripture. It's mm -hmm. almost like something is being preached in your head mm -hmm. with that because it's like you, you, you see the importance of it. Mm -hmm. and so it's just like, yeah, that, you know. You've got to chew up God. You've got to chew on his word. You've got to truly desire him so that the Lord can do everything that we need. You know, we've got to really appreciate God because there's not a lot of appreciation of him. We're not thankful enough. You know, we do things and we feel a certain way. But if you really knew that God was your life source, if he could actually give you a diagram of who you really are, 
and you're just this little, you know, leech over here on God, and he's supplying every little need of yours. you got to think about that. How important is he to you? Do you realize if he would have just snapped his fingers, your breath would stop? If you, you ever think if he would have just ever stopped thinking about you and just decided to turn and look another direction, that you're finished? So God is so in tune and plugged into us that he knows what you feel. He knows your thoughts. He knows what you want. All we've got to learn to do is appreciate him and trust him. Just walk with him. You know, verse 5. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. So what does God give us? Solid ground. What does he do? Show up in the time of trouble and he becomes our refuge. He's your refuge even when there is no trouble. But David, David said, though I may pray, evil is always present. So we got to make sure that we abide in God regularly. That's important. So he gives you a solid foundation to stand on. Because everything else in life just wavers. And this is how we, you know, if we learn to wait, then God will fulfill every need. Verse 6. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. So when he says, my head to be lifted up above mine enemies round about me, God will deliver you from your enemies. People that meant to do you harm is only a place that God can put you that he may exalt you. But then he talks about, he said, and because of that, because God has gotten me past my enemies. Because this is a story of salvation. This is us struggling with the world and all the things that we do. When God gets us past the point of overcoming, then we can offer the proper sacrifices. So what do we got to do in our tabernacle? Because he said, I will offer in his tabernacle. Who is God's tabernacle? Now, David was talking of the temple, but this is also future prophecy speaking of you and I. So when we are able to overcome the things that are in our lives that are binding us, then we can make the perfect sacrifice, like they talk about in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Yep. All right, so he said, offer sacrifices of, Lord, um, of joy. Now, you know, you will sing and praise God. Why? Because your desire is to him. But see, some people feel like singing and praising to the Lord is a problem. Like, man, you're taking too much time out of my day. See, that's because you don't recognize who God is. That's because you're still trying to overcome things in the world. But when we give it to him, man, you can sing praise and joy before the Lord because you know that he's everything. Amen. Verse 7, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you say, when thou say, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. It is important that we ask the Lord for a hearing heart. Because you know what it's like when we're doing worldly things and you can feel the Lord saying, come to me in prayer. Get down on your knees. Get into your word. But that's the Lord asking you, seek my face. Because the Lord is explaining to you, you're becoming a little distant. So start seeking my face. Seek the face of the Lord. Draw closer to me and I'll draw closer to you. This is what he's saying. And he said, man, his heart will say unto the Lord, Lord, I will seek you. I will do what you say. But see, it's all in the heart. But if your heart is not for God, you're going to find countless examples of why you can't. But see, when you can hear God's voice, it's because your heart is being converted to being like him. You're going to say something to them. Okay, verse 9, hide not thy face far from me. You see that? Put not thy servant away in anger. 
thou hast been my help, leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. I mean, O God of my salvation. Yeah. So David is saying, Lord, I'm not always perfect before you, but don't hide your face from me. So David is desiring to be before the Lord. And he said, put not your servant away in anger. Do we even realize through lack of faith how often we grieve God? How he might be calling for us to do something or be just believe. And we just, nah, I don't know, you know, I don't think it's time. And the Lord is like, you know what? You can grieve the spirit. And that's why he's saying, Lord, don't put me away in anger because I know I'm not perfect before you. Then he said, man, you have been my help. Leave me not. Neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. What a faithful God he is. Amen. Teach me thy way, O Lord. Now, this is what we need to know, too. Instead of reading the word and acting like, yeah, I got it. I totally understand what God wants. No, you don't. You still need to be taught of the Lord. Okay, the sheep don't say, well, now it looks like a good pasture. I'm just going to take off. Maybe some dumb sheep do. But other than that, the sheep follow the shepherd. But we've got to recognize you're not safe unless you follow the shepherd. So he says, um, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. What do we want our path to be plain and clear? Why most of us don't know the purpose of what God put in our lives is because we're not asking for a clear path. The Lord is trying to deliver us from all the things in the world that we can stay focused on him, and we try and clutter things right back up in the path. Oh, Lord, wait a minute. I got my suitcase. I got this. I got other stuff. Oh, I got to get my job to come. All right, Lord, I'll get back to you on Tuesday because I think my boss wants to do something today. So you make the path difficult. Yep. God wants you to stay on the path, and everything he means for you to have on it will be on that path. But you want a plain path, and that's why I love Jesus because he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now that's pretty simple. Ask the Hindus if it's that simple with their 300 million gods. Ask the Buddhists if it's that simple, having no way is way. And then Buddha telling you, I never said to follow me. I said to find your own path. Well, thank you, Buddha, for your enlightenment. So now I can just go off the deep end and do whatever, not even recognizing the depths of evil. So Jesus knows that this devil is walking around like a roaring lion. He really is in the pasture watching the sheep. And the second one of them strays away, he's going to jump them. But see, Jesus wants us to have a plain path. Just stay with me. Because you're young, you're dumb, and you're ignorant. Just stay with me. I'll teach you my way so you can begin to think like me. Better yet, if you let me, I'll get on the inside of you and we can walk. But you see, we need God's instruction. So he says, deliver me not over to the will of mine enemies. So David knows that God can do this. And that's what we got to keep in mind. But you got some ignorant Christians today that will say, oh, man, I wish the devil would come. I'll step on him and do this and do that. And you don't even know the devil is now inspiring through you to speak what you're speaking. That's foolishness. Jesus never just said, he said, resist the devil and he'll free from you. But he never told people, don't acknowledge the devil. Jesus made very clear he is the God of this world, but you stay with me. You know, aside from me, you can do nothing. Mm -hmm. But Jesus never just said, well, the devil, he's kind of there, but don't, don't worry about him. No, too many people have died following this guy. So we've got to be smart enough to know the only one that can combat this devil is Jesus Christ. 
Jesus wouldn't not even combat him. He can batter him and throw him down and, you know, step all over him because that's the God we serve. But you and I, we don't stand a chance. So he said, deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. You know, James and I was talking about stuff that we went through throughout the year. You and I have had our turn with stuff too, things going on. Look at what he says. False witnesses, liars, will rise up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I mean, what they'll say will be some of the most harsh stuff you can't even believe they said to you. Your enemies are everywhere, but we got to learn to stay with the Lord. He says, I had fainted. I would have been fainted. I would have been done unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So this is also telling us not to store our affections here, but in the land of the living, which is of Christ. Yep. Okay. And then he says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall, he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So what we've got to learn to do is wait on God. Why? Because his timing is impeccable. But unless we believe it, it means nothing to you and I. So if anybody wants to add anything they can, if not, let's go to Psalm 37. It's true because if we don't have patience, see, an unbeliever won't wait on God. An unbeliever will make decisions, you know, based on, well, yeah, he probably exists, but he can't deal with this. Right. But a real believer knows, Lord, I'm going to wait. I don't care if I'm 75 years old, Lord, I'm going to wait. Why? Because I know what you got in store for me is going to be perfect. Amen. And usually you don't have to wait that long for a lot of people, but you just got to learn to trust God. That's pretty much what it is. What takes length and our time is just not yielding to the shepherd and letting him lead us. Because we can start saying, I want to do this, I want to do that. But when you think about it, it's like, man, you, you're holding back the process. The reason why you can't grow and do with Christ, because you're not seeking him. You're seeking your own will. Yes, sir. Also as well with certain things, um, we might still consider it idolatry. Mm -hmm. Like we might idolize something and, and maybe we don't even see it that way. Like, you know, Lord, don't you think that I'm ready? But maybe he sees a small inkling inside of us like, man, if I were to give you a husband or a wife right now, who's to say that you wouldn't idolize that person? That's the that's the wisdom of God. God won't give you things because he knows that they'll destroy you. Right. There's certain things God will tell you, uh-uh, you know, not right now because you're already skating on thin ice. Mm -hmm. What do I need to do to add more weight to you and take you down, you know? Exactly. we got to learn to trust him. You all right? Yeah. In Jesus' name. Alright, this is Psalm 37, a Psalm of David. He says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. So don't envy them and don't worry yourself over them. Verse 2 For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. So what we got to understand is, here he's saying to trust in the Lord and do good. So, you know, when you trust in the Lord, you will do good. And he says, and you shall dwell in the land. Everything has its season. He said, and verily thou shalt be fed. What does Jesus say? Those who hunger and seek after righteousness 
shall be filled. And this is all the gospel. So when Jesus came for those four um, books, like the four gospels, and part of the book of Acts, and said the things that he said, he was quoting the Old and New Testament. See, people think this stuff is irrelevant. It's not, man. This was the living word then, and then he became the living word before us all. Praise Jesus. Mm -hmm. Verse 4, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. So when you delight yourself, you love to spend time with God. And he says, man, the desires of your heart you'll have. You want a wife? You want kids? You want this? You want that? God will give it. You know, you need money or whatever to take care of certain things. God, he'll take care of it. But we got to delight ourselves in him. And this is where people get it backwards. They go to church. They rub on Jesus like a magic genie. And then something pops out. They start feeling better. And they run back to the world. And you see, that, that hurts the process. Because if you delight yourself in him. Lord, when will we get to the place, Lord, I don't need a house. I don't need a, I don't need a wife. I don't need money. I just need to be up under you. I just need to draw close to you. I just want to be with you. Yep. And the Lord will be like, well, since you're with me, the Lord will even say, I hope you realize you got to eat. Here you go. You know, I realize I can tell with you being with me, it's good that you spend time with me, and I appreciate that. But you know what? I think I'm going to give you a husband or a wife. You know, because I want you to be happy too. I know you're happy with me, but let's do what we need. we got to trust him, man. That's what this is about. Truly knowing him, delighting in him. Not, oh boy, it's prayer hour. So now I got to go and pray. If it's a burden to you, you need a new heart. Verse 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. That trust, man. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man that bringeth wicked devices to pass. So you see, God wants us to just rest in him and wait patiently. He said, man, don't fret yourself over the prosperous, you know, those other people. Just trust. You know, God's got this thing. He's got it figured out. God is not in trouble. God is not wondering what's going to happen two minutes from now if the devil does something. God's got it figured out. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Trust him. That makes you just said that like God got it figured out. Mm -hmm. That makes me think like the fall of man, God's plan was that was his original plan, his mm -hmm. redemption. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like he was like, Oh, now I gotta think of plan B, mm -hmm. plan C. No. His mm -hmm. original plan was to save you, That's like right. save us. That's right. And he came to it right on the spot. When you look at Adam and Eve fell, he didn't say, Oh man, what am I gonna he proclaimed judgment on them, but he turned to the serpent. Hey, I'm going to put my seed against yours. I'm letting you know that. So you're not going to win. And the Lord even told, this is how cool God is. He told the devil ahead of time, yeah, you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Mm -hmm. You know, and the Lord made it so, no matter how hard the devil tried, he's going to lose. He's already lost. So it says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise and do evil. I mean to do evil. For evil doers shall be cut off. But who's but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. So you see, we're gonna have all hell breaking loose around us, but we've got to have that peace in God. For yet a little while and the wicked shall be I mean shall not be, yea, 
uh, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. So, you know, the Lord has told Israel many times, if you abide in me, I will fight for you, and you will hold your peace. He made it very clear. You, if you stay with me, your enemies will become my enemies. Your adversaries will be my adversaries. So, you know, when you've got God's favor, if we just stay up under him, he'll take care of it all. Amen. And we found that out during this year working and everything else. People thought they had us doing all kinds of dirt. Thanks to, you know, it's turned on them. And they're wondering, how did this happen? Because you're coming up against the Lord and his anointed. Verse 12, the wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. So God finds this amusing. When they think about doing evil to you and trying to destroy you, the Lord is like, hey, the instructions are for all, but if you don't want to follow them, I'm going to have to deal with you too. But God is not in distress. Let's just understand this. Our God is not stressed out. He's not worried about you calling on him day and night for help, okay? He encourages it because that keeps the communication with him. But sometimes we think, I don't want to bother the Lord. Who do you think you're talking to? He's an ever-present help in our time of need. But when we get stressed out, it's because of us. It's not because of the Lord. Verse 14, the wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart, and their bow shall be broken. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. So you see that? A little that the righteous that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. You know why? Because you got God's favor. And if you got the King of Kings, he's got everything for you. So you know to be righteous and have little this is what I'm just trying to promote to people that they understand. It's not in your personal possessions. They mean nothing to God. But being what God wants you to be, man, that's giving you everything. Mm -hmm. God's favor is greater than all. Yeah, bro. And here in verse 16, is, it points out like the simpleness, like the simplicity of, of Christ. Like simple stuff, like little, um, you know, minimalist. Mm -hmm. say minimalist. And then I, I heard you say this before that. Like, many, whenever there's a many contacts, there's That's true. negative. That's true. Absolutely true. And it says many wicked. So you see, there's more wicked than there are righteous. Yeah. Because how many people wait on the Lord? You know, in heaven the tables are turned because it's two to one there. But Satan managed to get some of the wicked down here. So it's so funny how in heaven you've got two to one because he took a third of the angels. One yeah, he took one third with him. So two thirds of the angels remained with God. But, I mean, God is the majority. He's not the minority, period. He doesn't even need the angels, and he's the majority. But it looks like down here, because it's a Satan's world, you see how it's reversed? You see how there's more wickedness here than there is good, because he's trying to combat what God has done there. So he said, all right, I'm going to turn more people against God than for God. And the, the truth is, most people don't want God. You've got to be, you know, uh, taken away. So he says in verse 17, For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. So you think I'm worried about a collapsed economy? 
You think I'm worrying about a new world order? In the time of famine, the righteous, the Lord will sustain. But if you don't know the Lord, you better be worried. Don't be saving up freeze-dried foods and all this other stuff you're trying to get ready for an emergency. The emergency is to know God, okay? Because when that ark set sail and everything was destroyed, whatever was in the ark was preserved. Whatever was on the outside, they climbed the highest mountains to try and seek refuge, only to do what? Drown. Because God filled that bowl up to the brim to make sure that no one survived that wasn't on his side. Yeah. Not too long ago, I was talking to my apartment manager, and she's a Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. And they are talking about that uh, Encourage a conference that they've been having over the uh, Expo Center. Mm-hmm. You know what the sad thing is, is that they're actually, as a false religion, telling people about the collapse economy that's coming mm-hmm. and how to be encouraged during that process. And the so-called Christian church... Don't even mention it. Don't even mention because they're sold out to the system. And see, that's Satan's master stroke is he will go to a false religion and give you a lot of truth, but he won't give you Christ. So then when you look at the fake, the, the church that's supposed to be, well, how come they're not mentioning? Exactly. That's because they're afraid and they're not the church of Christ. That's why for people that are coming in, you know, coming and getting messages at some of these churches and they're feeling good about all this. Hey, man, what's happening in the world? What's really going on? Tell me what I need to know. You know, but they try and butter you up. But they ain't mentioned one thing yet about what the devil's plans are. And then they claim we don't focus on the devil. Well, Jesus focused on the devil. Jesus cast him out wherever he saw him. So how can Jesus proclaim victory over the devil? How can you not focus on the devil and be a Christian? You're supposed to be looking for the devil. We should be demon hunting. We should see where the need is and go after them to set captives free. That's why Jesus came. And they just want to, you know, stay in their little abode and just worship. Man, come on, man. This thing is about love. Verse 20, But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume into smoke, uh, shall they consume away. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous sheweth mercy and giveth. So you see, one, the wicked is talking about borrowing. And you know what? That's one reason why I don't lend. I give. Why? Because if you give, you believe God, you wait on God, and God has always met every single need, no matter what. But stop. If you're a Christian, stop lending. Start giving, because that's a trust in the Lord. That's a joy. Yeah, lending means you don't trust God. Exactly. You got that... $50 $50 that I gave you that time. And then you wait on somebody's porch. That's a burden too. Exactly. Because you've got to think about when you're getting paid back. Yeah. Man, that's stress. Forget all that garbage. Trust the Lord in everything. All right. So anyway, so you see the wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous sheweth mercy and they give. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. So when you delight in the ways of the Lord, God will tell you what the next move is, what the next move is, what the next move is. I remember somebody asked me, would I prefer a barn full of gold, or would I prefer to, you know, be sustained by the Lord day by day? You know what I want? Sustained by the Lord day by day. Because I can have a barn full of gold, and guess what? Still be broke being foolish. And losing him is more important than anything you can have here. 
But to keep that communication, every day you meet with the Lord and he's just telling you, yeah, I think we got to do this today. We're going to do that. And then you learn to trust him. Man, that, that's a beautiful thing to have that relationship with God. Well, on top of that, people, you ask some people then and say, man, I would rather have the barn full of gold. I'm like, yeah, but you can't trust in that. You know, no, you, you know how much disaster you. can come from that? People trying to steal it. What if your barn you know, burns down? Yeah. You're going to constantly be conceited and whatnot, thinking you have all this stuff. And it's just, it adds more of a burden yeah. than it actually yeah. fulfills your life. Yeah, because then you got to worry about who's stealing from right. you. Yeah. Who can you trust? And that's what I was just thinking, like what you said. Somebody can steal that, but nobody can steal God. Exactly. No, exactly. He's everything. <laughs> and he'll give you stuff way beyond that treasure. Amen. You know, verse 24, though he fall. He shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. What a God. I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. So you say, you don't see God's righteous falling out, down and out, and there's nothing to sustain. We may have a season of drought, but we will get to that season of plenty. That's just the way God is. You know, all we got to do is trust him. That's why Jesus took them into a desert place and broke bread and fed 5,000. He could have done it in the city, but then people would have said, yeah, he probably went and bought that bread mm -hmm. and the fish and all. So he said, all right, I'll take you to no place. I'll take you to a place where nothing even grows, okay, just to show you that God sustains. That is the wilderness. God. so beautiful because even when Christ was born, they said, is there anything good that can come out? Mm -hmm. the city mm -hmm. and it just shows God's ways he can bring something out of nothing out of a dry ground came yeah. out a tender plant you know that's that's the Lord praise ye the Lord yes. so he says um, in verse 26 he is ever merciful and lendeth and his seed is blessed depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore for the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue um, talketh of judgment. The law of his God is, is in his heart. None of his, none of his steps shall slide. So you see, this is all in heart thing. When the law of God is written in us, that's why Jesus said, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor on your, as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Because that's what this is about. Verse uh, 32. The wicked watcheth the righteous and seeketh to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passeth, yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. So you see, God will preserve his people. It may look like the wicked are growing and they're spreading themselves and they're puffing themselves up. But God's going to cut them down because they are not on that strong ground which Jesus gives us. Yet he passed away. Oh, verse 37. 
Mark the perfect man. So you see, this is where you get the mark of God, what he gives us. He says, Mark the perfect man and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. But the transgressor shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. So as you can see, Christians always try and forsake trouble. But what Christians ought to realize is that we should be in trouble so that God can show forward. That's why Jesus always said, These signs shall follow them that believe. You know, if we really want to trust God, we got to give ourselves to Him and let Him put us in places where He might show forth. But if we don't go and we try and keep ourselves all held in and not wanting to serve, what good is that? You've already got your comforter, so you don't need a Holy Ghost. You don't need a comforter if you comfort yourself. Trust in the Lord and He will provide you with that comforter. Verse 40, And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. So when we trust in God and we wait on the Lord, he will give us. It's funny how there's 40 verses in Psalm 37, which is kind of like that transformation. 40 verses, like 40 weeks in the womb and then you're born. If we follow what God says in Psalm 37, God can do amazing things in our lives. You know, my dad used to tell me to read Psalm 37 when I was young, and I never would. Read Psalm 37. Okay, Dad. And then go over and do whatever. But he always told me, read it. You know, read this instruction. Read what God is promising them that are righteous. Amen. And stop forsaking those things for the things that we want. Let's go to Numbers 14. start looking at the numbers of the Bible, man, it's amazing how the Bible is marked. He just showed me something a minute ago while we were sitting here turning. Numbers 14, we're going to just look at this real quick, make a few points. But man, God is good. He pays with, with, uh, what's that word? I don't like to use the word usury. He pays with interest. Yeah. We can never pay God back. You know, all he, all he wants us to do is be faithful. So remember, this is Numbers 14. The children of Israel would not go into the land because they saw the giants. Verse 14. I mean, um, Numbers 14 and verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in the wilderness? So as you can see, no faith in God, no trust in God. And when you don't trust God, you will speak negatively of him like this. You know, God even gets offended if you were to say, if someone says, trust in the Lord, and he's going to deliver you. And you were to say, how can God deliver me in all I'm going through right now? That's lack of faith, you know, especially when he's been a God that's shown you. Now, if you're an unbeliever and you say that, God is like, oh, well, let me show you. Come unto me so I can give you the faith to believe. But if you're somebody that's been in the faith and your faith is wavering and jumping back and forth, 
He said a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Don't think that man will receive anything from the Lord. We've got to trust. Verse 3. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? So they hawked and spit in the Lord's face here. You know, they're talking about God will leave their wives and their kids to be prey. So if God didn't make sure that their people were slain up to this point, what would make them think that God would not preserve them? But when you don't trust God, these are the thoughts you'll have of him. God can't help my children. God can't help my marriage. You know, I've got to do it. I've got to go to counseling. I've got to do this. I've got to figure out a scheme where we can be helped. Instead of praying together, trusting in God, and waiting for what he tells you to do. If the Lord tells you to go to a spiritual counselor, someone that believes in him, that will tell them and instruct them the ways of God, fine. But you see, all maturity stems from one thing, getting in the face of the Lord, being with him. You see, when you're young, you think, can somebody pray for me because I'm going through this and that? And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we're going through that. We do need to pray for each other. But when we learn to walk into that closet and trust God and believe, now you can have people aid you in what you're praying for, but have you ever met people that don't want to pray? They'll just tell you, can you pray for me? No, you get desperate for yourself. You know what I'm saying? But that's a part of maturing where you pray too. And if you say, hey, I'm struggling, I'm praying, can you pray for me? Absolutely. Because I know I'm down there in the trenches with you. But if you just want to kick back and just ask for God to pray, no, not until you pray for yourself as well. This has got to be just as important to you. All right, so he says, so they said, oh, they'd be better to return back to Egypt. And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return unto Egypt. And you know what? When you not, we're going we're gonna to get through this, but when you don't trust God, God can give you a pastor that can give you instruction and tell you what to do. But when you don't trust him, you'll pick one of your own. You'll pick a teacher or whatever of your own. Okay, I'm going to go to where there's smooth messages so I can hear some smooth things and I don't have to worry about all the other stuff. When you don't trust the Lord, this is it. And when you don't trust the Lord, you believe in a pre-trib rapture. Yeah. You believe in once saved, always saved, because you don't want to have responsibility for your own soul. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel, and Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were um, of them, that searched the land, rent their clothes. So these guys are very upset. And they spake unto all the company and the children of Israel, saying, The land which we have passed through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, remember what it said in Psalm 37? Delight yourself in the Lord. Well, he's saying the Lord, if the Lord delight in us, which he obviously did, if he was the pillar of fire by night and the cloud of smoke by day guiding them. So he says, if the Lord delight in us, he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Now, this was even before David. Okay? This is the time of numbers where there was Joshua, Moses, and Caleb. But you see how those who drew close to the Lord, excuse me, came to only one conclusion. Trust in the Lord. If the Lord delight in us, things are going to get done. So these guys are speaking in faith. He says, fear them not. But all the congregation bade 
of bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will these people provoke me? And how long will they be erred which believe me for all the signs which I have shown among them? So, you know, God can do the same thing for us. He can get provoked because it's like, man, I'm showing you what you need, but you still don't believe. Then he says, I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them and will make of them, make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. And Moses said unto the Lord, then the Egyptians shall hear it. For thou broughtest up this people in thy might from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. For they have heard that thou, Lord, uh, art among uh, this people, and thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and that thy um, cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by day, by daytime, in a pillar of a cloud, and a pillar of a fire by night. Now if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nations would have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he sware unto them, therefore he hath slain them in the wilderness. And now I beseech thee, let the power of the Lord be great, according as thou hast spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering of a great mercy, and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means uh, clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers, upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people, according unto the greatness of thy mercy. And as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt, even until now. So as you can see, Moses believed, Moses had more faith in the people and in God than, than, you know, than the people had in themselves. This is what you would call a crossroads in the lives of believers. God does things for us to build us up, to get us ready to serve what he wants us to. But then there comes a, a point where the Lord says, it's time for you to grow up. It's time for you to start trusting me. It's time for you to start believing because we're going to walk into the promise. It's going to be because you want to, because you're desperate enough for it. You're seeking me. I'm no longer just running after you trying to get you to obey me. How do you feel about me? When, are you, when am I going to become important enough to you? So this is a crossroads. So now Moses is praying, Lord, please, you know, stay with the people and give them everything that they need. And listen to what the Lord says in verse 20. And now the Lord says, I have pardoned according to thy word. I've done that in the past. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. So what's at stake in you? The glory of the Lord. God may be glorified. That's why he told the guys with the talents, man, the one who wouldn't give, he says, I have, I have put my money in your hand. I should have received usury. I should have received um, interest with what I have given you. And because you hid that money and you didn't want to serve, you didn't want to do what I said, he made very clear to them, take that talent from that servant because he was wicked and slothful and give it to the one that has 10 talents already. But he made very clear that God is looking for production. Jesus talks about those trees, those trees that bear fruit if they confide in him. But you see, these people stopped trusting God. God didn't have a problem with them coming along. But these people made clear they called God a murderer. 
They call God unloving. Just how the, that guy in the talent said, you know, you are, you're a hard man. You want me to go and serve you and do what you say? And they said, would God have us to die? Oh, Egypt could have taken care of us better than God could. So you see, they called God unfair. They called him hard. They called him unloving. You pretty much said, you can't trust in God. You can only trust him to a degree, but you see how he turned on us. So because of this, the Lord says, hey, man, this is for my glory now. It always was, but these people are not willing to walk with me. Verse 22, because all these, all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened unto my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, so he's already, this is the unrighteous here that he's judging. What did it say? The Lord will cut them off. Does it not say that? Look at verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and have followed me fully, not part time, fully, him will I bring into the land wherein uh, he went and his seed shall possess it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley. Tomorrow turn you and get you into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation, which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. And that's why as Christians, we got to be careful. That's why even in here, when we're talking faith, and you start hearing unbelief, and well, I'm not too sure in this and that. You're murmuring. You better be real careful what you put your mouth on what the Lord says to do. When the Lord says a thing and he will do it, hey, Lord, I'm just believing you. Lord, I don't have that faith yet, but guess what, Lord? I want it. I want this faith, Lord. You know, show me what I need to do to have it. But when you start trying to put the world over God, when you start trying to put all these other things in the midst to try and say these things are just as valid, Hey, man, you're skating on thin ice. You know, you better start trusting and believing him. Because that's what this is about. So he says, man, these people, this is an evil congregation. Say unto them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, except save Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. But your little ones, which ye said should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which I have despised, which ye have despised. So you see, God says, I know it's not the kids' fault. They're dealing with unbelieving parents. Since those parents said that I was going to murder their kids and I was going to do all this stuff and starve people out there, hey, man, let these guys walk in the wilderness for 40 years till they die off. But those little ones that you claim I wouldn't take care of, they're going to inherit the land because they had to wait because of you. So what we got to learn to do is wait on the Lord. Now, we're going to see this be fulfilled. Now, that was Numbers 14 the Lord was showing us. Now, let's look at Judges 14 or Joshua 14. Actually, and we're going to see that those that wait on the Lord get all that God gives.
Joshua 14. We're going to begin in verse 1. This is how good God is. Amen. Joshua 14 and 1. And these are the countries which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of, of the children of Israel distributed for inheritance uh, to them. By lot was their inheritance as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine tribes and for the half tribe. Uh, for Moses had given the inheritance to two tribes and um, and an half tribe on the other side of Jordan. But unto the Levites he gave none inheritance among them. Why? Because the Levites were going to be priests. And priests, remember, they had to tithe and take care of them. So the two tribes was Joshua, which was, um, Joshua was from the seed of, um, man, what was it, Ephraim? Ephraim, I think, and um, one of them, um, Ephraim and Caleb was from Judah. So those two tribes would dwell together. And then there was the half-tribe, which was Manasseh, that took over from Dan. Remember, because Dan got moved out of the way. So this is what he's talking about here. All right, so he says in verse 4, For the children of Joseph, and Joseph is Ephraim, uh, were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, Therefore uh, they gave no part unto the Levites in the land, save cities that dwell in uh, with their suburbs for their cattle and for their substance. As the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua uh, in Gigal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, um, the Kenzanite, or the Kenizzite, uh, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man, the man of God concerning me and thee and Kadesh Barnea. So Caleb is remembering, hey, the day has finally come. Now remember the day when the Lord said unto Moses what, what Caleb would have. Here's it coming true. Verse uh, 7. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to a spy, like to spy out the land, and I brought him word again, as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people uh, melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So as you can see, Caleb being compared to other people, there were the, those who were unbelievers, they came back, remember, the twelve spies. Ten of them came back with an evil report. Only two, which was Joshua and Caleb, came back to give the people hope to believe God. That's why we got to be important what we preach to people. But man, when you feel that when you don't, when you doubt God and you go against Him, you're not on God's side. What you're spilling is unbelief, which yeah. makes the people afraid. Verse nine, and Moses swore on that day, saying, "Surely the land thereon thy feet have trod, and shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever." because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive. And he said these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. So Caleb is eighty-five years old. It took him forty-five years to get the inheritance and he was the believer. 
So this is why in many cases when you hang out with unbelievers, they can stunt your growth. But poor Caleb, he had to wait 45 years. And he was a believer. He and Joshua would have gone over there alone if they had to just to get this land. So God said, you know what? Because Caleb followed me, because Caleb believed and Joshua, they're not going to bear the fate of these people that believe. And that's why you see later on, what does it say in the Bible? Two in the bed, one taken, the other left. Two grinding at the mill, one taken, the other left. You know, what does the Bible say? God knows them that are his. So if you learn to wait on the Lord, it took Caleb, four, poor Caleb, he wanted to go and take the land right then and there. But the Lord said, no, you know, we're going to go as one. We're going to walk in and take the land. But he promised Caleb at 85 years old. Look at what the Lord gave Caleb. And as and wait, as yet am I as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. And you know what? I found out that when you got the Holy Ghost and you're serving the Lord, Look at um, our, our um, who's the, who are our elders? Dick and Marge. Dick and Marge, ninety years old, laying hands on people, full of the spirit. Dick looks like a young man. He does. Dick looks like he could be about sixty or seventy years old. Yep. And Dick is ninety. Marge, you know, she's ninety years old, still walking around, laying hands. These guys are full of the spirit. Look at Henry Groover. Look at Gary Price. Look at all these people that have dedicated their lives to the Lord, how God keeps them looking young and refreshed. So he says, man, I still got that strength to war. And this is why a lot of people get sick and things happen to them because they're not connected to the tree of life where God can give you what you need to do his will. When you're not connected to the vine and you go off living your life, I don't care what fitness or health spa you join. I don't care what your diet is. If you be not of Christ or doing the Lord's will, that joy of the Lord that Jesus talked about, that he means to rest on his people, will be lifted because you're not serving God's will. You're not trusting and believing him. So you will wither, just like Psalm 37 says, as the green herb and blow away. But when you be of God, he'll keep your ground fertile. Go ahead, Sarah. Also on that is that, you know, there, I know in my life there were certain sins that I committed uh, before I got saved. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I even struggled with it after I got saved. Lord, you take it from me. But it's like he started reversing the aging process on me because the life that I was living, oh, and yeah. I looked old, mm -hmm. you know, five years ago. Mm -hmm. I looked older five years ago than I do now. But the that's, Lord gives life. He gives life. And mm -hmm. so that's that's what we got to understand. Like what you're reading here is, is that we trust in him, and he can add years to our health That's right. and, and redeem us. That's right. You know, maybe we've done certain things mm -hmm. in our body that, you know, we're all going to die, mm -hmm. obviously. We're, we're in this dead flesh. But he can rejuvenate us to get the job done. Adam and Eve couldn't wait five minutes for the Lord to come and to talk to him. I mean, when, when Satan presented them with what he presented, now, I mean, if they were confused, Adam knew the truth, but what if they would have just said, you know what, I think we're going to wait for the Lord to deal with this matter. Because I've never heard what you said before, but I know who can deal with it. But they did hear ahead of time. They didn't trust. But let's just say they waited and the Lord showed up. 
you know what would have happened to Satan? I mean, he probably would have just been blown away. But the but the bottom line is is that if they would have just waited, look at all the trouble they caused us. If Sarah would have just waited, I mean, and Abraham would have just waited for God to give him and bless his seed. Look at all the peace that would have been going on. Right. So every time we don't wait, we wither and we blow away. That's right. You know, Adam and Eve disconnected from the tree of life, started listening to that doctrine of Satan, and what happened? They returned unto the dust from whence they came. Mm-hmm. God ain't kidding. All we got to do is obey. Verse 12. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. So Caleb is not asking anymore. He's telling them because he has fulfilled what God said. Say, man, give me this mountain. And all y'all, get away from me because y'all haven't held me back for so long. You know, he said, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fast. If so be, the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. What a man of faith. And, uh, and Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, uh, the Kenizzite, uh, unto this day, because that he wholly, wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. That's what this is about. You know, it took him 45 years, but God still provided. We've got to learn to wait and to trust him. Because Henry Gruber tells an amazing story how the devil had Henry covered in tumors. Henry was gray, Henry was frail, and the devil gave Henry Gruber cancer. And Henry Gruber said, I am not sick. I don't care what happens. His state was getting worse. I mean, real bad. And Henry said, I am not sick. I trust in the Lord. And the doctor looked at him like, sir, you're in a delusion. Like, you are gray and frail, and you're about to die. And Henry proclaimed and believed the Lord. And then there came a point. The Lord healed him just like that. All of the sickness and everything went away. So sometimes we can feel, Lord, you're waiting a little bit too long to make something happen. No, he's not. The Lord waits as long as your faith will allow. But if we believe God, he's never left the enemy laughing in our faces. Even with Caleb, which means mad dog or kind of dog. You know, Caleb was faithful as a dog, following his master everywhere, doing what his master said, and he inherited that land. Man, wait on the Lord. You can't say that enough. You know, let's look at um, let's look at Psalm 51. I don't have a lot tonight, so this isn't going to be too long. It's not. Oh, like long enough. We get the point. Psalm 51. <laughs> we only went a little over in about an hour right now. All right, now Psalm 51, it says to the chief musician, the Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet uh, came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Now you remember... If you guys in your spare time correlate this with um, 2 Samuel chapter 12, it made clear David was looking at another man's wife. He should have been at war, okay? But he was hanging around, you know, looking at her take a bath, desired her, killed her faithful husband that was loyal to David, that didn't even want to go home with his wife. You know, David has an affair with her. 
Right. So David had an affair with her, you know, then tried to cook up a scheme. Finally, nine months went by, and David never even repented. You know, he tried to cover up his sin. The Lord actually sent Nathan the prophet to come and visit him, proclaimed death on the baby because it was not a right situation, and David killed this man Uriah. So it was blood for blood. You know, God had to make that so. But the Lord told David, the sword will never depart from your house because of what you did. So David's son Absalom tried to come and kill him. Amnon, David's son, raped his sister Tamar. And all these things went on because David could have trusted in the Lord. But the one thing that points out in 2 Samuel 12 that really struck a chord for me is the Lord told David, you did this and I would have given you anything. I would have given you whatever your heart desired, David. David means beloved. And if we have been accepted in the beloved who was Christ, there's nothing God won't do for us. But when we take that which is not ours and we try and manipulate and try and work things out, man, you lose the favor of God because when you manipulate a situation, you're not trusting God. We've got to learn to trust him. He doesn't want your hand in it. It's going to get filthy and it's going to mess up what he's trying to do. All we've got to do is trust him. So this is David now feeling merciful. And he says in verse 1, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. So David knew what he did was wrong, and he's asking the Lord to remove it. He says, Wash me thoroughly, or thoroughly, uh, from mine iniquities, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. So if we want what God wants to give us, we've got to acknowledge our transgressions and, and, and let the Lord know, my sin is before me. But look at what he says next. In verse 4, Against thee, against you, Lord, and you only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that you mightest be justified uh, when, when you speak and be clear when you judge. So David makes clear, I sinned against you. What we got to understand is whatever we do to other people doesn't matter. It does matter how you treat them, but we got to know it's God we're sinning against. Because if we're conscious of him, we'll be careful in how we treat everyone else. So he said, against you I've sinned, and he said, when you speak, you can judge righteously. I know what I've done, and that's what we got to get to that place. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity. What is he saying? Sin traveled through my genetics, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desire uh, truth in the inward parts, but in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. So you can desire, Lord, in intimacy, but how you get to know God in those hidden places is having the Spirit, okay, being in God. So God will make you to know wisdom by following him in his Spirit. He said, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. So you see, when God comes down on you, man, your bones are broken. That's why Jesus said, man, just fall on me. So you can be broken and I can fix you. But if I fall on you, you've got no chance. I will grind you to powder. So we've got to learn to yield to the Lord. I mean, that's Jesus telling yes. us up front. Because when you grind something to powder, you can't put this back together. That's why they talk about Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, and all the king's men and everybody couldn't put Humpty back together again. Well, Humpty wasn't sitting on Christ. 
if Humpty was sitting on Christ, he wouldn't have fallen, one, and two, he would have probably been broken when he could have been redeemed. Right. But when you fall together, Humpty Dumpty can't be put back together again. So we got to yield to the Lord and allow him to reconstruct us. But all of this comes from waiting on the Lord. All right, so he says, man, Lord, let these broken bones that you've given me now rejoice. I've taken a licking, so Lord, now just redeem me. So he says, hide that face from my sins and blot out mine iniquities. Lord, I don't even want you to remember what I did. Create in me a clean heart. David knows his heart is not right. Oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. Because the spirit that led me to sin is not of you. Okay, so then he says, Restore unto me the joy of salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. You don't know how many times in my life because I tried hard to follow the Lord. I fell in sin. And I'll tell you, these words, I mean, jump off the page at me where you know you messed up and you get this feeling of distance with God. You don't even feel like God is going to come back. Like he doesn't even want to talk to you right now. I've had this occur to me in my life where I've rebelled against the Lord, not done what he said. And I mean, you can literally feel, Lord, I messed up. You know, when you're a little kid, oh, man, he's going to whip me good. I can feel it, you know, when I get home. But you know you disappointed God. When you start to share a heart with him, he makes your sin sensitive. I ain't talking about no fornication, adultery, and all that stuff. What about spiritual fornication? What about spiritual adultery? What about the things that you know grieve God in his heart? These are the things he's talking about. So he says, man, and uphold me with your free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. So what is David talking about? Waiting for restoration so that he can be he can now do what God says. We've got to get restored. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. So you see, when God begins to restore you, then you can sing aloud his righteousness. That's why you can preach the, the gospel without shame, without guilt, without condemnation. Because you know you're not living like that. So you can really sing for the Lord. So then he says, O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall shew forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. So you see, waiting on the Lord breaks you. Because it teaches you to have patience and trust in him and not in yourself. So you see, a broken and contrite spirit God won't despise. God wants you to do this. See, so the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. God will not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. So when you do good unto the pleasure of Zion, you're doing righteous before the Lord. And what does he say? Build thou walls of Jerusalem. What are we? The temple. So the temple will become built by God that it won't fall. But we've got to yield and wait for the process of being built. Then he says in 19, Then shalt thou be pleased. So you notice, first the temple has to be built up. You've got to forsake your sin, allow the Lord to build you up. Then he says, Then shall God be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness with burnt offering and a whole burnt offering, then shall they offer bullets upon thine altar. So you see, now I can make a right sacrifice before God because I have made the right sacrifice 
that God can indwell me and build this temple. So you see, even be even redemption requires waiting on God. Because when we jump ahead of what his desires are, we can still have things in us. We jump up and we start preaching, Lord, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Because now the devil can use something against you. Just wait. Let me fix those areas in your life so now you can come forward. And when the devil tries to fire at you, you can say, yeah, I was. You're right. I was at that club in my life, but I'm not anymore. I have been redeemed of the Lord, so now he can work in me. That's what this is all about. Let's go to Luke 22, and let's look at verse 24. Wait on the Lord. Remember, this is where the children, um, where the disciples were debating about, you know, um, who would be the greatest, you know, whatever like that. Uh, um, look at verse 23. And they began to inquire among themselves, which of them it was that should do this thing. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. So I think he's also talking about who Judas was, who was going to betray him. Yeah. They were figuring that out. But then he was, they were asking, who's the greatest? Or be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. So you see, there is no vie for leadership in God's kingdom. We're all brothers and sisters in the Lord. We might be appointed to certain offices he gives us. But we are all brothers and sisters. He says, But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. Why? Because Jesus came as a servant. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at me, or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at me, but I am among you as he that serveth. So you see, the greatest is the one that serves. Why? Because he's not selfish. He's not looking to be fed. He's feeding. Okay, so Jesus came to feed. Jesus came to restore. Uh, an act of ministry is an act of humiliation because you're trying to help people to grow. Okay, you're not worried about yourself. You're worried about what God is calling you to do. All right, but a lot of people, no, I don't want you to serve me. I'll serve myself. Hey, so be it. Verse 28. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptation. So what are they? Those that waited. And I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So he wanted them to walk with him, deal with him in his temptation. These are things that Christians don't want to do. They don't want to yield to the Lord in, their tem in his temptation. They don't want to carry their cross. That's what's stopping up the Christian today. I don't want to wait. I don't want to carry my cross. I don't want God to, to dictate over my life. I want to live my life, and hopefully Jesus will approve of it. You wait on that. Verse 31, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I pray for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. 
So this is another waiting process. He says, hey, Satan is desiring to sift you as wheat, but I'm praying for you that your faith fail not. So what is he telling Peter? To abide in him. But he says, and then when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. But you know, today on Facebook Live and all these other places, you got young kids grabbing the mic, jumping up, you know, preaching the gospel, don't know anything about the Bible or whatever, looking for their own validation. And what comes from that? You know, a lot of people aren't fed. Pride can be lifted. The devil can sift you and see what's really in you, and he can destroy you. But he says to strengthen the brethren, and he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day, before thou shalt thrice, three times, deny that thou knowest me. So you see what the Lord said to him? Peter, you're not ready. So you see, even in many cases, we can think of ourselves as far greater than we are to go and do something. And the Lord said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Stop mentally ascending to the point of, I'm ready to follow you even unto death, even unto the death of the cross. That's a lie, Peter. You know how I know? Because when I look at you, Peter, I see you. But when God looks at us, he's looking to see Christ in us. Because only Christ can stand in this inferno. So we've got to learn to wait on God, even in terms of ministry. And what happened when that cock crowed, Peter began to think about what the Lord said. You can't pass the Lord in the process of regeneration. We've got to yield, wait on the process, let him clean us out so that we can do his will. Because other than that, the devil has hooks into us that he will pull out of us. And that's why Jesus said, the ruler of this world comes. He's got nothing in me. We got to understand what God wants for his people. Right. We got to learn to wait. Let's look at Matthew um, 19 and let's look at verse 16. We're almost done. Just about. Man, there are countless examples of not waiting on the Lord. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Countless examples of people not waiting. And it's always been to their detriment. It never went well with them. Every time somebody jumped the gun and decided to do their own thing, man, they just added more trouble to their lives. I do want to... Uh, I'm going to find something, too. If anybody wants to add something... I want to get this in before it's too late. This is called Five Things to Do When You're Waiting on God. Okay, I looked them over. They look pretty good. So it says, Do you hate to wait? It says, You're not alone. I know what I want and I know what I need. It. I know what I need and I need it now. At least that's what uh, I think. But God's timing and my timing are rarely the same. Now that is true. So he says, in life you'll wait. Many people in the Bible did. Joseph waited 13 years, suffering through countless trials and tribulations. David waited 15 years before becoming king. Abraham waited 25 years before God's promise of a son. Moses waited 40 years in the wilderness. Jesus waited 30 years before starting his public ministry. Are you waiting? Not only are you not alone, but you're also in good company. So I want to get this part. So while we're waiting on the Lord, this is the first. Examine your heart. 
not what you wanted to hear, huh? <laughs> he said, it's okay. I didn't want to hear this either. But um, a self-assessment will do wonders. Why do you want? Why do you want what you want? Have you turned into an idol? Or have you turned blank into an idol? Is your heart restless or impatient? If so, why? So you see, we got to ask these questions so we don't ask amiss. We don't fall off. Are you content in Christ if God doesn't give what you want? Man, that's big. So if God doesn't give you what you want, are you content with him? This is the second one. And it says, worship, pray, and give thanks. We just talked about that. And it says, listen, you might be in a hurry, but God isn't. While you wait, pray, worship, and give thanks, if you don't, your heart will become restless and irritable. You might even fall victim to sin and temptation, and that won't help any. This is the third. Wait patiently, wait quietly, wait expectingly. So what did Caleb do? Caleb waited expectantly. Caleb also waited quietly. Okay, but what did the children of Israel do that weren't waiting on the Lord? They murmured against the Lord. Okay, they had a problem with everything. They weren't patient. They were ready to turn and go back to Egypt. So he says, how should you wait? Patiently, quietly, expectantly. Patiently, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. That's Psalm 37 and 7. That's ironic we um, spoke of that. Quietly, I wait quietly before God for my hope is in him. That's Psalm 62 and verse 5. Expectantly, I wait expectantly, trusting God to help, for he has promised, Psalm 105 and 5. You notice how most of these things were five. That's God's grace. That's what we got to learn to do and wait. Your contentment in Christ should be obvious, but at the same time, uh, you should feel eager, not anxious. There's a difference. You're eager to do or to gain what God wants, but when you're anxious, that's not peace. There's no peace in that. Eager, eagerness, um, you know, can be hunger. My hunger for it. Lord, I have a desire to serve you. But when you um, are anxious, there ain't no rest in that. That's worry. You see, so there's a big difference. That God will come through, even if not, in the way you might expect. And that's what the Hebrew boys settled within the confines of their minds. We are not bowing down to your image. Even if we've got to die, we will die, but we believe God can redeem us. This, this is important stuff. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, and it will be given to him. That's James 1 and 5. Yes, God gives wisdom through reading scripture, prayer, and life experience, but often in God's providence, God gives wisdom through the counsel of other wise Christians. This is true. If you're waiting and don't know what to do, Ask another trusted Christian friend. I say go to the Lord first, okay? And then you can probably seek counsel if he directs you to. So it says, five, do the next thing. We've all met the Christian looking for employment. I'm not going to apply anywhere. I'm just going to trust God to provide, huh? No, you should apply for as many jobs as you can um, would be my reply. Anyway, um, waiting on Jesus is a common experience for disciples. We all have to do it, but when stuck in a pinch, 
and unsure to what uh, to do next. Elizabeth Elliot's uh, simple, uh, famous words on this topic are helpful. Do the next thing. Now, see, I agree, but I disagree. Okay, I disagree because we have to, what does it say? The Lord guides the steps of the righteous. Mm -hmm. They are ordered of the Lord. So the Lord will tell you what to do. I do also believe the Lord helps and helps themselves to a degree. What is my evidence? He freed the children of Israel from Egypt. He did that for them. But later, God needed to do it through them. So what we need here is more trust in God. So I'm listening to this person, but I'm not agreeing with every little thing. So he says, that's it. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't hyper-specialize it. Don't overthink it. Just do the next thing. I say do the first thing. Give it to Jesus. So there are five things you can do. If you find yourself in one of these seasons, remember when God makes you wait, when God makes you wait, he's not depriving you. He's changing you. He's making you more like Jesus and waiting as one of God's ways to do this. As um, John Ortberg says, waiting is part of the process of becoming what God wants us to be. And I agree with that. I totally agree with what this says. So this is Matthew uh, 19. And I want to look at verse uh, 16. And it says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit, that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but God, but one, and that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? So you know what this guy wanted? A free pass. He wanted to graduate immediately because he's good enough for God. And the only reason he asked that question, I believe personally, is because he knew he was keeping these things. So, you know, Master, what must I do? All right, so anyway, uh, look at uh, verse 21. Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt give treasure, y'all shall have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. So what was this guy asking Jesus to do? Just wait. Just trust me. Just walk with me and get what you can really have that no man can take away. It seemed like <laughs> he knew that that would change him. Uh-huh. And he didn't, want to be, he didn't want to be broken. Exactly. He wanted to hold on to that. So mm -hmm. he just like, you can say, I guess it's pride, but he didn't want, that would have broken him if he gave up his That's right. And he said, I didn't want, I don't want to wait. I want it now. I want it right now. Okay. So he didn't love nor believe Jesus. All right. He would not wait. Um, verse uh, 22. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Why? Because he's having his heaven on earth. When his disciples heard it, they were exceeding amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, 
With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So what is he telling them? Trust in the Lord. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration of when the Son of Man shall sit in the twelve, I mean, in the thrones of his glory, uh, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So what did he say? If you follow me in the regeneration, what did the Lord want the children of Israel to, to go through? That's what they were going through, the regeneration. What was he telling a young rich man? Go through the regeneration. But no one wants to carry the cross. No one wants to die so Christ can live. And this is why you got people stagnant and a bunch of blessings not answered. Because they're seeking their will over the Lord. 29. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. So this God thought through his good grades that he was working his way in. And the Lord is like, okay, well, why don't we erase all this clean and follow me? But you see, no one wants to wait. And because of that, we, are, we got kids out of wedlock. You know, we got people dying, laying up in the hospital with HIV and AIDS because they could not wait for the Lord. People dying of diseases because they can't wait on the instruction of the Lord. Right. You got a life full of hell married to the wrong woman or man because you could not wait on God. That's what this is about. Uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10. And we're going to look at verse 1. I think I'm done. I think the point is made. But remember Jesus said um, that he told his disciples, you guys won't be patient, you'll leave me. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. You know, and then he says, um, in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Jesus just didn't come here out of the, out of the crib. I mean, yeah, he was preaching and all that, but he waited 30 years. He saw what the world had to offer. He took a life cycle, maybe one, one and a half times, and said, okay, now that the Father's directing me, now it's time to go. And what did he do? Immediately led by the Spirit after being baptized, 40 days tempted in the wilderness with the devil. See, nothing comes easy. If you want God to do things in your life, you've got to be willing to pay a price. And that's why he tells us, unless we grow the fruit of the Spirit, or we are partaker in those fruits, we can't labor for God because we'll just be a bunch of empty shell crybabies, you know, begging for what we want. But what are those fruit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, temperance, and faith. The Bible says for such there is no law. So unless we become partaker of the fruit, we can't even think like Jesus. We don't even have the patience. We don't even have the long-suffering. We don't even have the gentleness to deal with people because when people ask us something, we fly off the handle yeah. because we don't know how to wait. So it's important that we be partaker of God's fruit so that his will can be done. That's, right. That's what this is about. But Jesus says, you shall have tribulation in this world, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. 
So we got to wait on Jesus because he's the only one that could conquer. So this is 2 Corinthians 10, and let's look at verse 1. And I am done. 2 Corinthians 10, and verse 1, and it says, Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, there are two fruit of the Spirit, who in presence am based among you, but being absent and bold towards you. Now some people think, uh, and I want people to read Galatians 1 in their spare time. Some people think that Paul was on the road to Damascus, got struck by the light of the Lord, and jumped up and started preaching, and went all over the place. He did go a place and minister, but remember, Paul spent three years in Arabia, and in different places with the Lord, getting converted, being regenerated, and then the Lord made him a minister to go and preach the gospel, okay? So Paul spent time with the Lord, but read Galatians 1 in your spare time. But he didn't just jump up, but through meekness and gentleness of Christ, you know, Paul is among them, and he says he's bold toward them. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am, that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Okay, so he's not walking in the flesh. Verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. This is another thing concerning waiting on the Lord that I'm even having trouble with at times. I recognize when people fly off the handle to me and they'll say the right words. You know, there I am ready to contest them, but we got to first recognize we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Okay, and that takes patience because you start living. It's hard to ignore the flesh when people just flip out on you, but you got to recognize, man, this ain't about me. This is about Jesus. Okay, so he says, we don't war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That's what we do. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and uh, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So how do we bring every thought to the obedience of Christ? We've got to be born again. We've got to be full of Jesus. We've got to be filled. It's going to take time with the Lord to be sanctified. And that's why Jesus said the ruler of this world come. He's got nothing in me. I've forsaken everything. I didn't want anything he had to offer. So in doing so, I'm all right. You know, he didn't have to follow. So Jesus had full obedience unto the Father, and we've got to learn through waiting on the Lord to have our obedience in, in Christ. Look at verse 6. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So that's what we want to talk about, the fullness, that obedience we're only going to get from waiting on the Lord, spending time with the Lord, yielding to the Spirit that we might know what it is to truly serve him. But we can't just get things, you know, just that we want and forsake what God's will is. We've got to discover his will and learn to wait. Every time we wait on Christ, we always turn out better. He always gives us what we need if we wait. Just wait. Like that guy said, we may be in a hurry, but Jesus is not in a hurry. Why? Because he's outside of time. Yeah. He sees the beginning to the end. But man, if we can only wait, if we can only trust the Lord. So that's the message for tonight. Let's just learn to wait. Why? Because you're only going to turn out good. 
When you wait on the waiter, you get served properly. At least you hope. But Jesus Christ came to serve. He is an ever-present help. There is nothing too hard to God, for God. And the hand of the Lord is not waxing short. Trust him. Believe him. Let him order our steps. And God knows, let us wait so that we can receive the treasure that he wants us to. And I actually didn't go to a place in your spare time also. Read Acts 1 and 2. Jesus told them, tarry until ye be endowed with power. He said, ye shall receive power. And after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon them. And what did they do? They prayed up there for 10 days, being chased by the soldiers, all these things going on. Matthew couldn't go back to being a tax collector. You know, the um, Paul and Peter, or Peter and the guys, they couldn't go back to fishing. They truly were in the hands of the Lord just waiting. 120 of them up there just praying in God's perfect government. Then what does it say in Acts, the second chapter? Then came the sound of a rushing mighty wind. But Jesus told them, tarry until you be received, you be endowed with power. And when they waited and the Holy Ghost came upon them, that was the game changer. Christ was in them and they were able to do what Christ wanted. All because of what? They waited on the Lord. So I just want to tell people with that, I love you. And let's wait because God's timing is impeccable. Amen. Let's go to John 10 and verse 33. All right, John 10, verse 33. The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because thou sayest, Being a man, maketh thyself a God. So, these Jews here are saying that, uh, and we're we're going to actually find this in the workplace because you know, Eric and I and, and we've dealt with this already in the in past. But people are going to say they're not going to rightly accuse us for what we're doing, and that is standing for Jesus Christ. What they're going to do is they're going to bring up some other false accusation. Now, what they're saying here is that oh, you're making yourself as God. And they say, uh, we're not stoning you for a good work. We're stoning you because uh, you have made yourself become as God. And we're going to find people today, in a sense, they're going to try and say the exact same thing to us without actually saying it. They're going to try and say, well, no, we're firing you because you did you, your performance level wasn't that great at work, or because of this, or because of that. And when the truth be told is, is that no, they're not. They're doing it because we're actually standing for Jesus Christ. So verse 34, Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, ye are gods? That means like the sons of God, or we can be as God. If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest. Because I said, I am the Son of God. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe me, believe not me, believe the works, that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. So what he's saying here is, is that I'm proving to you that the Father and I are one, not because I'm actually saying it or just saying it, but it's because of the works that I'm doing to show forth. Mm -hmm. 
Now let's consider that in our own lives. Mm -hmm. If we want to prove Jesus Christ is in us to the to men, it's not eventually. You know, we're doing it through word of mouth right now. But we, the Lord wants us to be sanctified. So not only can we, not only do we just say it, but He may say, "Heal that man, to shoot forth my works." Mm-hmm. And it's not for us to boast in ourselves, but it's just so people will believe. Oh, okay, these things still still do happen, and these are the works of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know. Verse thirty-nine. Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. So it wasn't his time yet. And he went away again beyond Jordan into a place where John had at first baptized, and there he abode. And many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle. But all things that John spake of this man of this man were true. So what he's saying right here is, is that because of this work, because of what he said, these people were saying, Well, John the Baptist spoke of Jesus Christ coming, and everything that he said is true. Mm-hmm. So he left like uh, a path to him mm-hmm. which is what we're supposed to do we're supposed to leave a path to Jesus Christ through his works in us mm-hmm. verse 42 and many believed on him there so as we know that there were there were scoffers and mockers in Jesus day just like there were in ours but there are mm-hmm. also going to be people that believe in Jesus Christ mm-hmm. just like in this day Amen. So if Christ is in us and he is the truth, the way, and the life, then that is the that's what we will show. Amen. You're absolutely right. You volunteers of prayer. I'll pray up. Heavenly Father. Yes, Lord. I want to come to you this day in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Lord God, I just want to thank you for this day and this in this time that you have given us and how you have blessed it for your sake. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm also thanking you for the fellowship of this day and how as brothers and sisters in Christ and you, Lord, we can come together and to be on one accord with you and to know and understand that there is only one common en- enemy and that is Satan. So, Lord God, I'm also thanking you for your patience and your long-suffering and your grace and your mercy. But I'm also praying, Lord Jesus Christ, for your wisdom and for your patience and for your long-suffering and and all the fruit of the Spirit upon our lives, Lord, upon this ministry. That we can grow and we can bear fruit for you, Jesus Christ, and bear disciples for you because of this world that we are living in, Lord God. We see the evil that's in it. Lord God, we live in a missionary, in a mission city. And I'm praying that you give us a heart after missions to reach those people, Lord Jesus Christ, because that is what it's all about. Our focus is to be on you, to wait patiently upon you, Lord Jesus Christ, to get as much of you in our life as we can possibly sustain, to grow closer to you, so that way you can give us what we need in this life, Lord God, but we won't idolize it. We won't take it for granted. We won't say, thank you, Lord. Leave me alone. That's not how it's supposed to be, Lord Jesus Christ. We're constantly supposed to be connected to you, the true vine, all the time. To hear your voice, Lord God, to be sanctified, to go out and to heal the sick in Jesus' name and to raise the dead, to show people 
This is not just about word of mouth, Lord God, but this is about your miracles, that people be saved because we are living in a society today, Lord Jesus, where the next generation coming up does not even know who you are because of the disconnect Satan has been allowed to do in the church and in the family unit. We need a restoration. We need to be redeemed so we can be more like you, Lord Jesus. So I'm praying, Lord God, send down the Holy Ghost upon yes, this Lord. ministry and every yes, other ministry Lord. out there today, Lord God, who is fighting the spiritual warfare. Yes, Bless Lord. them, Lord, tenfold. Give them what they need, Lord Jesus Christ, to continue to go out and to produce disciples for you, Lord God, for the remnant's sake. If you find us worthy, Lord God, those fit vessels. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God Almighty, for everyone who's sick, I pray that you heal them in Jesus' name, for you are the great physician. For all who are struggling, whether spiritually, emotionally, financially, what marriages, their children, whatever it is, Lord God, the loss of a family member, let them know that you heal all in Jesus' name. We just have to trust in you, Lord God, and to wait patiently upon you. Because what you give us, Lord, will be greater than anything that we could ever think possible for ourselves and it will be pure and it will be holy give us the patience that we're going to need lord jesus christ to follow after you in all things and to wait upon you thank you god thank you jesus for you're the only one worthy of all the praise the glory and the honor thank you god in jesus christ your most holy name i pray amen with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.